Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. That's the sound of yodeling, a specific kind of yodeling, actually. If you recognize that so- sound, by the way, it's from the uh, beginning of Grand Budapest Hotel, uh, and it's a polyphonic yodeling uh, that I believe is uh, popular in, or native to the Appenzell reg- region of Switzerland. We have guests who can straighten me out about that. But yes, this is going to be an entire episode of our show about yodeling, which we, th- we have decided is a really fascinating topic. It has historical implications. Richard Nixon yodeled in the last days of his presidency in the darkness of the White House until the sweat poured down his neck. Edith Wharton yodeled when she couldn't write. Actually, I'm making those things up. Okay, those aren't. That's why that was fake news. That wasn't really true. But it is true that yodeling is a much more complicated topic than you might imagine. It also exists in a lot more places than you might imagine. We're going to begin with a little bit of the history and maybe ethnology uh, of yodeling, uh, and we have to do that. And then I should also tell you that in the final segment, uh, you'll hear, we've already recorded the final segment, though, you'll hear a professional yodeler, yodeler come into our studio and teach both me and Kyle and Wolf how to yodel. Uh, and so we've already done that, and are, are, we are cleansed. And, and it may, I mean, I'm sort of joking that we were cleansed or we feel better or something, but as you'll hear, that might not be uh, um, speculation completely detached from reality. So we're going to begin our conversation uh, with the guy who wrote the book, as they say, Bart Plantenga, Amsterdam-based writer, radio DJ, and expert on yodeling. He is the author of several books, including Yodel in Hi-Fi, From Kitsch Folk to Contemporary Electronica. So first of all, welcome to our conversation. Thank you for doing this, Bart Plantenga. No, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> So I, I think we need to begin, well, I think let's begin at the beginning of yodeling, and we don't really know when that is, but it, I guess it's reasonable to speculate that, it, that it, its history goes back uh, 10,000 years or so to whatever time human beings were trying to herd animals. Explain the connection. I would guess somewhere between ten and 100,000, but nobody seems to know so uh, exactly when. And um, originally it was a utilitarian call. In its underwear, it's a, it's a unique, powerful form of uh, communication that shifts rapidly from chest to head voice. Uh, that's, that's the basic element. And herders found it an effective way to communicate among each other and um, uh, also their herds. But this was in Africa, probably, where it all began. And the pygmies have a, probably a little bit different uh, utilitarian usage for yodeling. They use it for gathering after dinner and uh, playing games. They do hocketing, interwoven vocals, and uh, everybody can participate in the village. But also, they yodel to the forest to give thanks for uh, bounty for their survival. 
So one of the people who has weighed in on yodeling, and it, 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 there are endless surprises about who has weighed in about yodeling, is Ed Sanders, one of the founders of the FUGS. He calls it a kind of homemade Morse code for people in the mountains. Now, why would yodeling be any more effective than, I don't know, just yelling or singing back and forth across the mountains? Well, it, it has something to do with the uh, movement from head to chest voice and some people insist that the the application of the consonants, so the yo, do, e, the d, helps propel it further, and there's uh, some evidence to that effect. So it's it, so it, it had that folk tradition, but then it yes. became part of the musical arts too, right? In other words, at some point it got elevated from its utilitarian aspect in terms of alpine communication, its religious aspect in terms of how, how pygmies might uh, use it, um, or even just the folk maybe around the campfire tradition. It became more more exalted, right? There was an it became a musical yeah. art. Can you talk about that? It probably occurred during the the Romantic period, the late 1700s, early 1800s, that whole um, uh, veneration of nature uh, fits very well with yodeling. Uh, Some of the, usually the nature yodels are basically uh, Swiss herders communicating with nature um, in the same way maybe that the pygmies did. But um, at some point, the song structure, the uh, verse, uh, chorus, verse, chorus, began to be more popular in um, bars and cafes. And um, they started to apply the yodel in those songs. So it became part of a more structured song. So I think you know there is there is a little bit of a prejudice uh, against yodeling. In that word, kitsch appears uh, in, in your title as the early part of a progression. But I, I think there are people who have this kind of notion that rather than that than it being one of any number of possible vocal expressions, there's something a, a little kitschy about yoga about yodeling. Although I also feel as though uh, there are many contexts recently in which we hear more yodeling. One of them, and it's one of the reasons I wanted to do this show, is that here in America we have certain programs like uh, America's Got Talent and Britain has its own counterpart. And these, some of these shows are based on the idea that people who have learned some particular thing that maybe isn't a huge part of mainstream entertainment come on and do it. And I think yodeling is one of those things that people, if they think about it, they think they've got a prejudice against it, they don't really like it. And then they hear it and they're they're delighted, right? I mean, some little girl will come on America's Got Talent and yodel and people will flip out. Yes, uh, Taylor Ware in 2004 or five or something, um, she only placed second, but she was obviously the um, audience favorite. And People just went cr- crazy. Simon Cowell was, you know, his eyes were popping out. And and she started a whole rage among um, teenage, preteen, teenage uh, girls uh, to yodel. She was one of the first to, to take uh, one of these shows by storm. There, so, there are others. Yes, absolutely. Well, when people, th- when people who haven't been thusly charmed think about yodeling, try to imagine in their you know, summon their own mental audio picture of yodeling. I think it sounds kind of like this. Yeah. 
So even though that's Franz Lang, uh, the late Franz Lang, maybe the most famous yodeler of modern life, there's, I mean, you sort of hear that, Bart, and I think you understand why people think yodeling could be annoying. Yes, but like like almost every form, it, yodeling is very flexible. It can go from the ridiculous to the sublime, from the unique to the universal, deep to shallow. And it, it's, it, it can be intimate and uh, bravado, uh, over the top. Like uh, Carrie Christensen did a piece with Beck. They, there was a reimagining of a David Bowie song and uh, he had an orchestra of 100 people and one yodeler, and that was Carrie Christensen, and uh, a very bravado performance competing with 10 electric guitars. All right, so in the second segment of our conversation, we're going to um, add one person and talk a little bit more about the way that yodeling filters into all kinds of different music. But let's stay back for just a second, Bart, in its time of origins, because there are other things that are said about yodeling. And, and being uh, a newborn yodeler as of today, I'm interested in them, including the notion that, that yodeling might be sort of, I don't know, good for your soul, that there's actually something else that goes on inside you when you're yodeling. Uh, tell us about that. Sure. The idea is is similar, I guess, to meditation or the idea that uh, sound heals and uh, the idea that of Ohm as uh, John Coltrane, uh, well, not John Coltrane only, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I remember reading about uh, the idea of the Ohm centering someone, the idea of sound filling a valley and uh, somehow uniting you with nature and... Uh, those things are all elements of uh, Swiss yodeling, for instance, but also jazz yodeling. And um, the Swiss yodel is melancholy, slow, and totally not like Franz Lang. And that's a whole long story, the difference between the, the two. Well, you know, before we tell any of those stories, the other thing that has been suggested at certain times in the history of yodeling, maybe back in that romantic period a little bit more, is that yodeling might actually have... I mean, let's say, let's let's grant the notion that, like Ohm, it can center us. Uh, it can be a good way of connecting body and soul through sound that you produce with your body. But people have alleged more about yodeling, right? That it might even be magically magical. There might be a way that yodeling could magically affect the hearer as well. Uh, well, one example is uh, the mis- uh, the mysterious asthmatic avenger, a psychobilly one man band from uh, France and a yodeler who claims that his asthma was cured by yodeling. But wasn't there also a group of yodelers who were banned at one point because they their yodeling was creating this sort of urgent kind of Swiss homesickness? Yes. Well, that, that's... It, it may very well be an apocryphal s- story, but the idea was that um, the kurai and the uh, the lining up of the cows, the the melancholy calls, perhaps, were so powerful that mercenaries, Swiss mercenaries, uh, fighting uh, overseas elsewhere, were so moved when they heard that that they often ran off, refused to fight. Even some uh, say there there may have been some suicides involved. Um, so. And so they so they banned the singing of certain kinds of 
yodel melodies. Right. Well, sometimes I guess you have to do something like that. Well, we're going to take a break. We're going to talk about uh, the way yodeling surfaces. I mean, you already heard about Beck, but um, as we go out here, let's hear a little bit of Leon Thomas, uh, legendary jazz vocalist and composer, Leon Thomas's track, Umbo Weti. Welcome back to our yodeling show, uh, an entire episode of our show about uh, yodeling with Bart Plantenga, uh, Amsterdam-based writer. He's joining us from a studio there, radio DJ and expert on yodeling. He's the author of several books, including Yodel and Hi-Fi, from kitsch folk to contemporary electronica. Also joining us now, Timothy Wise, senior lecturer in musicology at the University of Salford, England. He is the author of Yodeling and Meaning in American Music. Um, and actually, before we get there... Um, Bart, um, you know, we played out with that, um, that that piece of kind of experimental sounding Leon Thomas jazz yodeling. You talked about uh, Beck using uh, yodeling in, in what's essentially electronica or something close to it. Is there, are there yodeling traditionalists? Is I, I know there's no academy like there would be uh, in certain arts and languages that rules over everything. But are there people who go, nah, that's not yodeling. You can't call that yodeling. Yes, there are. Uh, Switzerland is a, a divided country politically by the uh, what kind of yodels are real yodels. So you have the the pure outdoor natur yodels, which are uh, very uh, basic and uh, well, actually quite beautiful. Then you have the middle ground, which are the official uh, people who have tried to frame, uh, write down, and uh, map out yodels because they were afraid they were dying out in the early 1900s, the official Swiss yodel, the melancholy, a little bit more melancholy, trying to keep the Austrian and German uh, frolicsome yodels out. <laughs> and then you have the experimenters, the the people who have taken the, the, the roots and recast uh, the sound into different genres. So there are the three kind of uh, vie for attention. In fact, uh, Christine Lauterberg, uh, an outlaw yodeler who appeared in Crossdress as a man to protest uh, the sexism in the yodel, official yodel clubs, um, she appeared on the uh, Swiss stamp recently, and there was a, a big to-do about that because she's not one of the official. Switzerland has its postal stamp that has a cross-dressing Outlaw yodeler. See, that makes yes. me happy just to know something like that. <laughs> All right, so um, let's point our ears at America, and, and as we get ready uh, to um, add Tim Wise to this conversation, let's hear the yodeling of Jimmy Rogers, otherwise known as the Singing Brakeman. He had a series of numbered so-called blue yodels. I believe we're going to hear blue yodel number one. Georgia water, tastes like turpentine. Oh, 
So, uh, Tim Wise, author of Yodeling and Meaning in American Music, w- when did uh, Americans, so to speak, start yodeling? It looks like the uh, it, it, it was a European vogue first that started in the beginning of the 19th century as the folk yodels got added to uh, what we'd probably call popular music now, or songs written for choruses and things, but with a yodel added. And this spread across um, the German-speaking countries and eventually to the United States. Probably, I'm not sure if you've talked about this already, but there were the so-called singing families that came out of uh, Tyrol who specialized in these folk songs with yodels, and they helped to create this vogue and they um, they interested a lot of uh, people, professional composers and singers in it, and so people began writing songs with yodels, and uh, they eventually made their way into America. The, interestingly, it's, it looks like it was opera singers, uh, such as Maria Malibran and Antoinette Otto, who actually introduced yodel songs into America before the famous Reiner family actually arrived. But Tim, and, and Tim is... And um, were published uh, and distributed throughout the U.S. Tim, as I listen to Jimmy Rogers, though, um, who's a, a white country blues singer, um, I'm hearing, and particularly as you go through some of the other blue yodels, the, the one that's based on Mule Skinner blues, uh, I think that might be number six, but don't hold me to that. Um, you know, you, you absolutely don't hear a Tyrolean sound. No. You hear no. an African-American totally... blues sound. So, oh, yeah. And that's, yeah, it, th- that's it, an it, independent it, tradition? Uh, yes, it's a different tradition. The the uh, yodeling, the way we think of it, we tend to think of it as a Swiss thing that got imported. But as Bart has pointed out in his books, yodeling is all over the planet. Uh, it's really a laryngeal mechanism popping between the registers, n- normal modal register and loft or falsetto register. And the Swiss are very, very famous for it. Uh, and that music is perhaps what most people think of. But that's certainly not the only yodeling. And so it's, a, it's a common feature of African singing, for example. Uh, and so when the slaves were forcibly taken to America, they brought a lot of their traditions with them. And so when this is a kind of a prehistory, because we don't have recordings of this in the 19th century, we have a few uh, people writing about uh, the performance of the music of the blacks. And Frederick Frederick Law Olmsted talked about hollering, which was a black and, and white tradition in the South, and he described that as Negro yodeling. So there was a, a, a kind of yodeling and, um, that came through African-American traditions, and this is what profoundly affected, uh, influenced Jimmy Rogers. But if you listen to Jimmy Rogers, he, he yodeled in virtually everything that he wrote. I think there's two or three songs that he didn't yodel in out of 111 sides. And some of these do have the more European-style yodels, uh, the more conventional Tin Pan Alley-type material or folk-songy material. But the blues uh, don't sound like that at all because they use a different mode and they use different rhythms. Right. So, you know, with that notion uh, of there being a strong current uh, of African-American yodeling that can bear yodeling through the decades, uh, let's hear a little bit of uh, none other than R. Kelly. Now it's 2009. Uh, This is Echo.
So Bark Plantango, there's something weird going on here, and and I think you know what I'm about to say, which is that in Jimmy Rogers, a white singer, we can absolutely hear <laughs> black idioms that that have been translated. Here's R. Kelly in 2009, a black singer, and he's basically going Tyrolean on us, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> even the video actually, um, and he took a lot of heat for it. He did a he did a, a separate video. For his fans who gave him a lot of heat for for yodeling, and he sat down and and, and basically was dressed very politely and um, told everybody that this is what he wanted to do, you know, get used to it if you if you're a fan of his. So, uh, Tim, is it fair to say that American music has kind of an off and on relationship with yodeling? I mean, it's always kind of either unfashionable or about to become unfashionable or about to become fashionable. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. It's it's been in American music continuously since it was introduced in the 1830s, let's say. But it's never really been in the mainstream. It's always been in. Uh, well, actually, it was. You know, in the pre-World War II, with um, the rise of um, so-called hillbilly music and cowboy music, there were big hits, and even mainstream performers like Bing Crosby were singing yodel songs, even though he didn't really properly yodel, but he was nodding to the yodel fashion. So it was pretty big in those days. But I think what happened was that um, the emergence of the cool aesthetic around uh, World War II edged it out as urban sophistication began to replace rustic uh, cowboys. Tim, I have to ask, I mean, you're a senior lecturer in musicology at a British university. There certainly is a little bit of the kitsch label that attaches itself to yodeling. Uh, I don't know. What happens at at cocktail parties or, for all I know, high teas uh, when you announce what it is that you, what what one of your areas of focus is? Well, yes, people are usually surprised. In fact, I had a student ask me the other day if I was a yodeler because she'd heard that that's what I research, and she just presumed that I was a yodeler. But I got interested in this subject because I, too, thought yodeling was um, kind of a joke. And um, I never took it seriously. When I was a kid growing up and we'd see singers on the television yodeling, we would usually howl with laughter. And I just thought that was the way everybody was. But I began to question what it was that about yodeling that made people have that reaction. And I thought it's not really the, the music at all. It's cultural attitudes and the, what we are conditioned to like and what we are conditioned to dislike, but also the kinds of things that yodeling has been associated with. That has not always worked in its favor. So it's not really the, the practice itself exactly, but it's a lot of the associations and connotations of it, I think, that cre- provoke these strong, strong reactions. And that's what I tried to elucidate. Well, I, I think also, and this will set up our, our our final segment of the show pretty well, once the yodeling goat got out of the corral, if goats are in corrals, I mean, in fact, once that sound is out there, it's going to creep in all kinds of places. So here's Mike Nesmith uh, of the Monkees, but he's, as Mike Nesmith, he's doing the song Joanne. You're not going to hear exactly yodeling, but you're going to hear a sound that probably wouldn't happen without yodeling. Her name was Joanne, and she lived in a meadow. So Bart Plantanga, you know, that's 
that's not exactly yodeling, but I, I, no one would probably do that if they hadn't heard yodeling. Yeah, it's kind of secondhand Slim Whitman, Whitman actually. But uh, there, there have been hits, you know. Focus with Hocus Pocus, the, yes. uh, the actually a Dutch <laughs> band, had a huge mega hit, uh, you know, all through Europe and in America. I think it was even number one. But the lead singer, Thijs van Leer, yodeled because he didn't speak English in, well enough. So they wrote nonsense lyrics, and um, that was how they broke through. Uh, Bart, I want you to know that in the newsroom of this radio station, <laughs> I played that song through the computers when I was trying to convince the staff uh, to do a show about yodeling. And I don't know. I mean, it's sort of an annoying song, so maybe it wasn't the right song to play. But it is. It's prog rock, and it's uh, it's yes. yodeling all in one. So we have to take but, a little break here. And, and we okay. are so grateful, first of all, first of all, to Josh Nalea, who's the person I bullied into doing this show. But it's a really fun show. And also to Tim Wise, uh, author of Yodeling and Meaning in American Music, and to Bart Plantenga author of Yodel in Hi-Fi, from kitsch folk to contemporary electronica. Some of the most exciting stuff is still to come. You're going to hear me and Kion get a yodeling lesson. You will hear us yodel. We are beautiful when we yodel. Uh, and the people who are about to talk to you are beautiful people, too. It's Betsy Kaplan and Tucker Ives. Please, especially today, <laughs> if you could pledge during this to say, yes, I love a show that would do an episode like this one. Hi, I'm Betsy Kaplan, one of the producers here on The Colin McEnroe Show, here with Carmen Baskoff, uh, one of the terrific producers for Where We Live, our morning show with host Lucy Nalpathanchel. And we're asking you to take just a couple minutes uh, from The Colin McEnroe Show to support the station if you like what you're hearing. We, we play a lot of different shows here on Colin McEnroe Show. Um, one of the things that we sort of consider our trademark is that we have a really wide variety of shows, you know, things from very serious Topics like infanticide we've done to things like donuts, which you may have heard last week if you tuned in last Tuesday. So there's kind of a wide variety. We like to bring you the news, but we also like to bring you some culture. And this has been a difficult time for a lot of people, for all of us, really, in this past year. Sometimes it's nice after a tough day or particularly tough time to just maybe have a little music or a little culture or hear about films or music like you might hear about on the nose. In a way, it's a little bit of an escape, but it's also part of our survival to be able to get away from some of the bad news and learn about ourselves through culture. So if this is important to you and it's, if you like what you hear, give us a call, 1-800-584-2788 or go online at WNPR.org. And again, that number is 1-800-584-2788. Um, and Betsy, I like what you're saying about sort of the, the variety of shows um, that you guys do on the Colin McEnroe show, because I think that is always something I love about your show, but I think particularly right now is so important because, you know, I we're in this position where, you know, both there's just, there's so much news to follow. We had the, this recent election. There's a ton to talk about there. Um, still kind of uh, sorting through the pieces of that. Um, and then of course, we're in the midst of this pandemic. We have um, you know, discussions around what vaccine rollout looks like. All of these things are so important to understand. And, you know, on the one hand, you guys, you know, talk about all these things and, and, you know, not just sort of in the format of your little, you know, headline news clips, but you guys get, you know, these really big thinkers, um, these, you know, experts in the field, some of the top epidemiologists or, or just people who really have a interesting and thoughtful way of kind of looking at the world and, and have kind of that long form discussion that sort of moves you beyond just sort of that like soundbite to really understanding an issue. 
you know, but at the same time, we all really, you know, need a break too. And so I think it is such a, you know, it, it's such a nice break to be able to listen to that show about the donuts or, you know, listen to the nose every week and just kind of get your, your fix of pop culture from that. Um, and so I think that, you know, is, is kind of one of the, the unique things about the Colin show. And it's also one of the unique things I think generally about public radio is we really do, you know, focus on giving that, that mix of, um, you know, news, culture, everything, but doing it through that lens of, you know, really smart, thoughtful, interesting discussion with interesting people. Uh, so if that's something you're probably listening to the Colin McEnroe show right now, cause that's something you value. And if it is, uh, We'd ask you to give us a call uh, with your pledge of support if you are in a position to do so. The number is 1-800-584-2788, or you can go online uh, to WNPR.org and click on the donate button. Yeah, you know, Carmen, I like to think we sort of start the conversation, and it's not just um, the Colin McEnroe Show. It's where we live. It's the wheelhouse. It's all things considered. It's morning edition. It's lots of the shows that we play during the day uh, where you hear lots of different types of news and culture um, on point, 1A, you know, Fresh Air, any of those shows. You know, I always think of it, I, even before I worked here, I used to listen all the time. I was a regular listener to the station. And I would hear so many things that I didn't know I even wanted to know about. And it would spark my curiosity to the point where I would bring it home. You know, I would, you know, whenever my kids got home from school, my husband got home, we'd sit around and talk about some of the stuff I heard. Because you're right, we don't just present sound bites. You don't hear that kind of stuff so much on this station you hear more in-depth stories, you know, that sort of give you food for thought, you know, for debate. And it's in more, more depth, more context, which is what I really appreciate, you know, historical context and whatnot, and nuance. So this is the kind of stuff, um, you know, we sit around for a very long time and you bring it, you keep it in mind. You know, you know a story is good and thought-provoking when it sticks around in your head for a while and you want to talk about it and share it with other people and debate it with other people. That's something that's kind of missing right now, I think. And I think that we're all starting to realize that we need to start to coming together as a country. And maybe this is one of those best ways that we can do that kind of thing. So if this is the kind of programming you like, these are the kinds of shows you like, give us a call at 1-800-584-2788, or you can go online at WNPR.org and find lots of wonderful gifts. And thank you very much. Are you ready to hear me and Colin Yodel? Let me rephrase that. Are you willing to hear me and Colin Yodel? Either way, it's going to happen. Today's show was produced by Josh Nalea and me, Kyone Wolf, Amanda Fish, Yodel's Underwater, and the part of Bill Curry was played by Jewel. And now, back to the show to lay you. We're back with our conversation about yodeling. You're still with us, right? <laughs> you didn't leave, did you? Come on. This is actually very interesting. And so we wanted to get do a little bit more. I guess you don't really say hands-on yodeling, but we wanted to really uh, do some yodeling here in the studio, have uh, somebody who incorporates yodeling into his musical style here, and also maybe get a yodeling lesson. Uh, Wolfie and I are going to take a yodeling lesson here in the studio, and possibly uh, you can do this at home too. But first, uh, I want you to meet Roger Tinknow, Massachusetts-based cowboy yodeler, musician, and traveling performer. You can find him at rogertinknell.com. We'll probably put up a link to that at WNPR.org. Also in the studio, Kyone Wolf, WNPR's technical producer, announcer, on-air personality, and uh, musical prodigy. So, um, Roger, first of all, welcome. Thanks for coming down from Massachusetts for My this. pleasure. Thanks for having me. Was yodeling something that just kind of came naturally to you, or did you have a, 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 a eureka moment? I'd say more of a eureka moment. It was never something I was attracted to as a young, uh, originally rock and roll musician and then turned folk musician, but in my 
in my 20s, I had the opportunity to hear Bill Stain, who's a folk singer, songwriter, and yodeler from New Hampshire. Performed and, around here a lot, too. Well and known he, in Right, and I saw him in Northampton, Mass., uh, at a coffee house, and he offered a yodel workshop afterward. And I was so <laughs> impressed with his songs, and the yodeling was unique to me, and I took the workshop, and the rest is history. After that, I started listening to traditional yodelers and uh, researching it a little bit and uh, incorporated it into my singing style. So, so how hard was it for you to learn how to yodel? yodel? It turned out it was fairly easy because I had been singing high tenor in a bluegrass band mm-hmm. and I had a fairly – when I was younger, I actually had more of a tenor voice. It's kind of slid down to a baritone level. So it's a little harder to get up to those high notes now that I'm a little older. But uh, it was fairly simple to gravitate to picking up the style. The hardest part was just being able to – um, learn that technique of going into your head voice or your falsetto voice from your low voice um, and hit the right notes. Yeah, know? and so let's let's pause on that for a second. I mean, in the previous segment, we've talked a little bit about the history of yogel, yodeling. Why do you mm-hmm. keep saying yodeling? Uh, the history of yodeling uh, and kind of the ethnology of yodeling, the way it's done all over the world. But when it comes right down to yodeling, is there a thing that you can describe that you're essentially doing, a thing that you have to learn to do? I would say the simplest way of putting it in my experience is learning to control your falsetto voice. Mm-hmm. And for men, that, you know, it's pretty distinctively different from what your your chest voice is. For women, it isn't always called falsetto. It's often just called a higher register. And I've, def- I've found that, you know, the, the most famous women yodelers are ones that often had a little bit lower voices. And when they shifted into their higher register, there was more of a contrast. So it's, I mean, we think, often think of yodeling as sort of the, the cowboy slash male kind of yodeling thing, but there are a lot of women yodelers, and it's really about getting into your head voice accurately. From your chest voice. From though. your you chest have to voice. Be, you have to go from one place to the right. other, right? And it's kind of the antithesis of what a traditional classical voice teacher would say, which you want smooth transition. Right. In fact, when I was learning to yodel, I was also in the process of taking voice lessons, and the, the gentleman I was working with... I told him, I've been learning to do this yodeling stuff, and I'm a little worried that it's going to hurt my voice and his experience. And his re- response was, no, it's actually good for your voice to sing in these different registers. I think so, too. And I, I think people yodel, they kind of yodel without realizing they're doing it. And I came up this morning right, with an example right. of it. I'm going to try to do it. I'm going to back off the mic a little bit. I hope I can do this. So when people, when male voices sing the song, Ooh, Baby, Baby, yeah. they come to a point <laughs> where they go, I'm crying, ooh, there it is. <laughs> so you're, you're kind of doing that's that, That's a right? yodel. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, yeah that, that's a yodel it's right really there. It's really that simple, yeah. And, and so is also some of it locating the point at which your voice breaks? Because it seems to me the other thing that the yodel contains, like you said, a classically trained singer might try to go, ooh, ooh. And get a smooth change. Yeah. Right. Whereas the yodel, it seems to me, it glides over that, ooh, Right, you're like actually that. looking for a demarcation point. As right. A, right. So I've got a professional yodel in here, yodeler in here, and I'm yodeling, which you're is doing stupid. great. So give <laughs> us a, give us one of your a, a song. Give us sort of part of a little song so we can get uh, inspired. Well, you know, uh, years ago I wrote this little novelty tune. <laughs> it's a bit of a joke to teach yodeling, actually, and it was a takeoff on the the fact that in in traditional American cowboy yodeling you have these certain syllables that are common, yodel lady, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I called it the yodeling old lady. And it has a chorus, which uh, when I'm working with audiences, allows them to actually respond by singing all those different syllables and giving it a shot. So, so Coyote and I are going to do that? So yeah, yeah, but before we even do the song, right. I should probably give you a quick little you give us a lesson. little lesson to yeah. see how this key works. Because we're starting in one key, and later on I'm going to break off into a higher key and I'll do some uh, 
you know, solo yodeling. Yeah. But, but right now, let me make sure this key works for you guys. This is what I would typically do in an audience. So just echo back if you don't mind. Hey, try it. Hey, Sounds great. Are you good over there with that key? Oh, I'm good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah all right. Okay. Hey, hey, and we'll take it up a little higher. Hey, 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 we'll walk our way down. Hey, 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 So I think we've got a key that We've works. worked together for eight years. I've never felt closer to you. And so, you know, what I jokingly say after a little quick introduction like that is I often say, well, let's do a little graduate yodeling where you take it up and you do, try some of the descending notes. Yodelay, 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 Let's try that one. We may not yodelay, 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 So I think we're warmed up for the song. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. when we get to the chorus, so you'll just <laughs> echo back on that on the chorus, and you've already had you know the worst of it right there, so to speak. <laughs> long, long ago, in a land bright and fair, there lived an old woman to none did compare. She lived alone on a mountain so high, watching the world roll by. When she was younger, a fair maid was she. Married a man, had children, one, two, three. Her children have grown, her husband moved on. So now she has time to sing her own song. Here comes our echo. I am an old lady. Oh, let's give it a shot. I am an old lady. All right. Yodelaiti. 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 I am an old lady, oh. I am an old lady, oh. Here we go. Old lady, old lady, old lady, Give it a try. Here we go. Old lady, old lady, old lady, old lady. Beautiful. Well, she's up in the morning brewing her tea. Life is so different than it used to be when children were growing and work to be done. There just wasn't time to have any fun. Now we're going to have fun with the little barbershop quartet. So you pick a part. Now she sings. Let's try that one. Pick, pick a third or a fifth or whatever you want to do. Now she sings. Lovely. I am an old lady. I am an old lady. I am an old lady, beautiful. Well, some folks say it's hard to be gray, old and arthritic. Always in the way, but not this old woman. Her life was filled with glee. Oh, she was so happy she'd sing her melody. Let's do our barbershop together. Now she sings. I am an old lady, oh. I am an old lady, oh. Old lady, old lady. 
Yoda little lady. Yoda little lady. Beautiful. I am an old lady. I am an old lady. Yoda lady. Yoda lady. Yoda lady. Give it a try. Yoda lady. Yoda lady. Yoda lady. Yoda lady. Right on, cowboy. <laughs> That's Roger Tinknell. Thank you so much for doing this, and thank you so much for uh, putting up with us. So let me just ask you a few more questions uh, from uh, the world of yodeling, about the world of yodeling. I think some people feel as though this is kind of a niche thing and maybe a thing that people do for humorous effects in movies or whatever, but it isn't really necessarily a thriving musical art. What would you say to that? Well, there's, a, there's some truth to that in the sense, historically speaking, that I think in American cowboy yodeling culture, it's always been a niche thing. And uh, for example, there's a guy named Slim Whitman yeah. who um, was the, one of the earliest well-known American cowboy style yodeling. He was also known for his just incredibly rich voice and did a lot of different styles. But he used to be the opening act for Elvis Presley. Right. And, uh, and a huge, so, huge selling artist in this country and also and, saved and, us from a Martian invasion. In and saved us from the Martian invasion. Yeah, exactly. And he was a bigger seller in the British and in England than he was uh, in American culture, actually. But then there were other people after, uh, during that time. You know, there was um, people like Jimmy Rogers, sure. who was the, 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 the singing brakeman. He yeah. always did the yodels at the end of his songs. He had certain songs called, you know, Yodel Blues and Yodel Number no. 9, all these things. And then Hank Williams soon after that. Hank Williams Sr., that is. Right. Um, and I, I also feel as though what's happened, too, is that particularly among a lot of female vocalists kind of in country, alt-country, uh, alt-folk, the, there's um, a thing that's almost a yodel. And, and, you know, Wolfie, you were saying you sang along to Jewel Records. She yeah. actually does y- yodel. And she does. And yeah, her I father, I think, was a, was a country yodeler exactly. and performs with her. Right. But I think even when she's not yodeling, she and a lot of other female singers – do something that, and let's just hear a little bit of this. This is one of her big hits. Just listen to what her voice does. Who will save your soul when it comes to the baby? No, will save your soul through all those lies that you told me, boy. And who will save your soul if you won't save? So, Roger, to me, that's – I mean, she's, she will actually discreetly yodel on other occasions. But that's – But that's the same idea. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. And it reminds me – hearing her style it reminds me a little bit of what people like Hank Williams did when you get, I got a feeling called the blues, oh, Lord, since my baby said goodbye. You know, that kind of thing which has that crack in there, which is, you know, singing yodel, um, not necessarily using those syllables that we associate with yodeling. And I, that's, I think that's continued on from there. I think some people develop their voice – I mean, Iris DeMent, for example, has a voice where 
even when she's just normally singing, it sounds kind it of sounds, like she's yodeling, I know what you right? mean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some people's voice lend themselves to that more. Exactly. So when you perform for people and, and maybe even put them through the, their paces the way you just did with uh, me and Wolfie, I mean, are people open to it? Are they ready oh, to Oh, it's amazing. I'm totally shocked how amazed people are by yodeling. And it's, I think it's partly because most people don't hear it very often. It is a crowd pleaser. I think of it as a bit of a trick. I mean, yeah. you know, I use it at the end of a concert sometimes just to kind of get people going. But I've also been fortunate to find out from doing a lot of my school performances, I've been doing like educational programs in schools for the last 35 years, that even younger children respond to it. You know, they'll joke about it and they'll get a little self-conscious when I try to teach them, but they end up later on coming up and talking about it. You know, they're fascinated by it. People are, people are fascinated by the, by the technique. Thank you so much for coming down and doing this. And I want you to take us out of the show. We're about to end the show now. Uh, there'll be a little fundraising after the show. If you respect and love a radio show that would actually devote an entire episode to yodeling, that, first of all, makes you very special. <laughs> but please uh, give, please pledge when the people come on. But Roger's uh, going to – what are you going to play us out with? Well, I, mean, I wrote in here on my Pinto Pal. So I'll sing a song about my little horse called the Pinto Pal. Give me a Pinto Pal. And give me a gal with a western gleam in her eye. Give us the range to roam for us all alone. And a billion stars in the sky. Give us a trail that's filled with flowers and birds. Where we'll watch the world roll by. Give me a pinto pal and a yodelay. Hee hee. Let me live there till I die. Yodelay. Yodelay. And you've been listening to The Colin McEnroe Show on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Carmen Baskoff here with Betsy Kaplan, and we're taking a little bit of your time after listening to the program to ask for your uh, pledge of support. Um, if you've been enjoying the programming, you've been listening to this hour and, and probably all day on Connecticut Public Radio. Uh, if that's something uh, that you count on, then um, we're asking for your pledge of support. The number to call is 1-800-584-2788, or you can go online to WNPR.org. You know, one of the things I say, Carmen, um, if you like this show and you're listening to this show, uh, you probably listen to our Friday show, which is The Nose, which is a weekly cultural roundtable. And we were just talking about culture earlier in the show, our, on our last break, rather. And that's something that I think the Colin McEnroe show does pretty well. And I love The Nose, and a lot of people love The Nose. It's when we bring together this cultural roundtable of community members to discuss current movies and TV and pop culture. And we're always trying to figure out what they're going to do next because they usually do sort of a cutting edge type film or uh, TV show that people have started to watch and are talking about, but they haven't really completely digested it yet. So it's, it's lots of fun. So give us a call if, if this is the kind of programming you like. And I'll just say too, we also do a Monday show, which is um, geared a little bit more toward news. But it brings you the stuff that you need to know about, like Carmen was mentioning last time, keeping it up to date on COVID with uh, lots of different types of medical experts, keeping up to date on the transition, what's actually happening um, with that. Um, some of it is for reassurance. Most of it is to inform you, give you a, uh, different points of view, um, and just points to think about that you may not have thought about and are able to debate. So give us a call, 1-800-584-2788, or go online at WNPR.org. Again, that number is 1-800-584-2788. And Betsy, this is maybe kind of a cheesy metaphor, but I, I almost feel like sort of, uh, you know, a lot of, um, you know, <laughs> news stations you can you can watch or listen to, or maybe a bit sort of like the, the junk food 
um, whether it's yeah. like all just screaming headlines or if it's just all sort of fluff. Um, and I think I like think of public radio and shows like the Colin McEnroe show really as kind of your like, your like healthy but tasty balanced diet of like you're getting, you're getting the culture, you're getting the news, you're getting a bit of everything. Um, and it's all, you know, it's not screaming at you. It's like doing that in, in such a thoughtful way. You're making um, me hungry. <laughs> I know me too. We might just have food <laughs> on the mind. Uh, but again, you know, if that's something you value, uh, something that's important to you, the number is 1-800-584-2788 or you can go online to wnpr.org. Yeah, you can do it for the next generation of listeners. So if you've already made your contribution, give us a call and do it for your child or a friend's child or a neighbor's child because they're not contributing yet. 1-800-584-2788, WNPR.org, and thanks.